All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our very first episode of our post-amendment podcast. So you'll notice that this is going up as an actual video rather than a live podcast. Um, that is because of some scheduling issues. In the future, these will be live. Um, but we're here today to talk about our most recent video on the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. So with us tonight, we obviously have myself, uh, Brock Blessman, up in the top right-hand corner. He uh, talked about the history section. What do you think? What do you think, Brock? You enjoy history? Nope, I absolutely hate it. That's why I chose to teach it to seventh graders. That that sounds like your average teacher. Um, <laughs> we have down here in, with the Budweiser hat on, Mike Redman. Thank you for thank you for coming. And. Um. Reggie here to uh, break down the First Amendment. Reggie, what is your thought on freedom of expression? You must express yourself. We have <laughs> we have cats galore here. Got Daisy. Oh, we got Poppy. What do you think? What do you think, Bubs? Um, yeah. All right. No, it's just me. Oh, hey, there's Patrick in the in the in the Bud Light hat. You can see Jack's behind me, so all my the whole family's here today, yeah. except for Jack. My cats are hiding. Actually, oh, they're, they're right over there. Oh, that's cute. Anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about First Amendment, not cats. Yes. So um. the uh, <laughs> the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, um, hopefully all of you guys have watched the video. If not, uh, link is in the description as well as an end card to this video. So um, make sure to check that out uh, and then come back and watch us afterwards. So we're going to talk about... I'll be right back. <laughs> that's actually fair because Mike hasn't watched it yet because it's I not finished. It. Um, as of the time of recording this, yeah. um, I'm familiar with the video though, so I'm I'm more than happy to jump right in. Yeah. So First Amendment. So does, is that good enough? That that is yeah, that, that is that's good, enough. good enough. So let's talk about some of the First Amendment issues that we talk about in the um, in the podcast. So obviously, the First Amendment has been a really hot topic recently, um, particularly in regards to big tech and um the very volatile political climate that we've had i'm gonna leave it at that um but there's also been a lot of issues in the past because right now we pretty much exclusively talk about freedom of expression but um brock you know you 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 lay this out in the in the show very well it also talks about the establishment clause which is the united states government cannot establish a state religion um freedom to practice your own religion freedom of the press, and freedom of assembly. So the First Amendment really encompasses a lot of different uh, rights yep. in one very long did, sentence. Did you also say freedom of uh, petition in there? I didn't yeah. hear yeah, okay, I did you. Yeah, did. I did not. And also okay. I did not. And also, all the rest of the explicit rights is freedom of association. Like, you can choose who you want to associate with, you know, along with the rest of them. It's not... It's not written but it is implied along with the rest of them in order for those the rest of them to exist you have to also understand your freedom to associate with who you choose yes no. not is, freedom that, from like, isn't that, is that case law or something what is that case law i believe so yes uh let me i can pull up an exact exact right. example for you so and uh, one one thing that we need to talk about i think before we get into any issues is um like constitutional literalism versus the various interpretations that we've seen over the last almost two and a half centuries at this point. Oh, 
I, I've got the I've got the Freedom of Association. I've got my receipts here. If you guys are okay with me going straight into that, <laughs> yeah, real quick. go ahead. Um, so, a uh, when the United States uh, First Amendment identifies the right to assemble in a petition, it does not make specific the right of associations, but held within the idea of assembling, you have to also be cho- um, freely choosing who to assemble with, i.e., associate with, um, which that. Uh, the NAACP v. Alabama upholds the idea that freedom of association is the central part of freedom of speech because, in many cases, people can engage in effective speech only when they join with others. So if you say, oh, well, you know, you have freedom of speech by yourself, but you can't link up with others and, and form a political movement, mm-hmm. well, you're limiting their freedom of speech then by limiting their freedom of association. And this comes up with a variety of other cases, such as, Brotherhood of Railroad Trainmen versus Virginia, 1964. United Mine Workers versus Illinois State Bar Association, 1967. Healy versus James, 1972. Uh, NAACP versus Claiborne Hardware, 1982. <laughs> Boy Scouts of America versus Dale, 2000. And then Janus versus AFSCME in 2018. So it's come up on a couple of times, and each time they have reasserted the fact that in the penumbras, okay, if you want to use that term, of the first amendment there is a clear identified freedom of association well and that's that's actually really good to uh to point out because you know a lot can be lost in literalism and i think that we're really going to get into that with the second amendment for example but um focusing on the first amendment right now let's look at some of the uh some of the issues that we bring up so the order that we address them let me let me uh, look at the script real quick. So we address that the first one that we address is some of the issues surrounding the Espionage Act and the Patriot Act. Um, some as re- as examples of restrictions of freedom of speech. So Mike, I assume that you are of the three of us, most four of us, most intimately familiar with those two acts. Uh, yes. Most uh, probably. Let's see. (laughs) So the Espionage Act, we talked about this a little bit, but it was enacted during World War One. And the point was to prevent anything that could sow disloyalty among the armed forces. Um, And the reason that has been upheld is because the Supreme Court contends that the necessity of wartime is more important than freedom of freedom of expression it is uh willfully violating the first amendment um and has been used to uh, go against people in the 50s and 60s um you know especially in the 60s going against the vietnam war um it was used during the red scare and of course it was used during the two world wars uh against people who supported the uh access power access and central powers um so Let's start with Mike, since I, I assume you have pretty strong feelings on the Espionage Act, which is still in full force today, mind you. Most, most of my opinions on the Espionage Act and the Patriot Act 1 and 2 uh, are mostly like Fourth Amendment issues. So I'd like to hear uh, what you guys have to say about it more. Because we're not doing Fourth Amendment right now. Right. Which... Oh, when we get to the Fourth Amendment. Yeah, so the, the Patriot Act does have issues. You know, it violates the Fourth Amendment left and right, but it also yeah. violates... Yeah, I, can, I, can offer, I can offer defense of the, the uh, Espionage Act. Yeah, go ahead. If you want. Okay, so 
So it's a little bit of a a a mealy mouth defense, but uh, you have to understand that freedom of speech can only exist when there are certain restrictions on it. Um, it just understanding the fact that you could have something called chilling speech, where or 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 a chilling effect on speech, where you could have one person's freedom of speech infringing on another person's freedom of speech through the act of, uh, you know threats of violence for example mm-hmm. um and and maybe not even overt threats of violence you could have uh very covert threats of violence um you know it'd be a shame if something were to happen to your family you know if you don't go along with this right you can have something like that clearly that's not what the espionage act deals with but that's just a, uh, a really baseline example of some restrictions that we have to have well on and order experience it so and the supreme court has repeatedly upheld um that you do not have freedom of expression in some very specific circumstances yeah. namely you cannot defame someone and there's other requirements to actually be considered defamation it has to be intentional and it has to cause damage to them in some way also it is much harder to defame a public figure than is someone like you and i and, and- and it that's true and that's all covered in the in the uh video but yes um outside of that in the united states we have a very very rich history of free speech exceptions and uh uh acceptable restrictions placed on free speech such as incitement incitement to suicide false statements of fact counterfeit currency obscenity indecency child pornography fighting words which is what i was bringing up earlier Mm -hmm. threatening the president of the united states Speech owned by others, you know, uh, essentially copyright, uh, commercial speech, restrictions on, on just speech based on your, your position in government uh, as an employer, as an educator. There's certain things, for example, Brock can't say because of his position as a teacher. There's certain things I could not say when I was working on a campaign. Because there's based certain, on there's your, certain things that I could not say yeah, when I was in the military. I can't say because, you know, you know, a lot of things I can't say. Well, they were <laughs> mostly restrictions, though, only when I was wearing uniform. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or representing. Which, which, like, and I'm sure that you you understood why, and you weren't like, oh, well, my rights are being restricted. Because it's, yeah. you know, I wasn't representing myself. I was representing the exactly, Marine Corps. Exactly. And, you know, you could let slip some information that combined with other information that was let slip that innocuous as it might be on its own could lead to enemies understanding troop movements, supply routes, things of that nature. You know, just simply posting on Facebook, hey, I'm here, you know, and you have enough other people doing the same thing, you can triangulate that and cause a lot of issues. Um, Well, and I think what we're talking, one thing that we need to distinguish is the letter and spirit of a law versus how how it's implemented. Because in letter only, the espionage act makes sense because you don't want seditious speech during the war to undermine the war effort undermine the country's morale and especially endanger the lives of our men and women in uniform by giving away confidential information you know loose lips sink ships but in practice it was used to go against uh political enemies of what you know for example woodrow wilson or you know, in the Red Scare, it was used to go after um, after communists. Or the Patriot Act, for example, doesn't explicitly allow the FBI to open investigations into people because of their speech, you know, on social media. But in practice, it allows them to do so. Yeah, and and and, yeah. and they have to be. And this is this is my big bugaboo with a lot of the way that laws are written. They have to be written very specifically for them to be enacted as they're supposed to be enacted because. You're going to get politicians that are going to try to exert more power than they should. 
through the letter of the law. And if, if it's a loose law, then they're going to be able to exert power more, more broadly. But even along the same lines as ex what we might not consider now, but has been ritually in the uh, tradition of freedom of speech, until the 20th century, there were very strict blasphemy laws. Mm -hmm. You know, and could argue, I think, fairly uh, strongly that that goes against the establishment of religion if you argue from the point that the federal government has to be neutral rather than uh, or, or neutral in the sense of the negative sense rather than neutral in the positive sense. The neutral in the negative sense means that it strikes, it strikes down all religions rather than the positive sense being allows for all religions. Like well, there's a difference there. Well, and, and that's where you get to the, you know, there's, there's, you know, the freedom for, from the freedom from religion foundation is the big one. Uh, pushing that that negative neutrality. Um, I don't know. It's it. Right. Don't... My my defense, my defense of it is historically we have had several laws or several types of speech that have been restricted for good reason in a lot of ways, um, and I think that broadly saying all speech should be allowed is improper and should not represent free speech, but. We do have to understand that speech that we may not like is the exact type of speech that we need to be protecting. Hate speech, for example, is something we should be protecting as long as it doesn't fall under some of these other categories. And this is where the discussion should be. Is this certain type of speech uh, incitement or is it just speech that makes me feel bad? You know, right. like there's... A different there's a there's a very distinct difference there I, would, I should say and we talk about hate speech in the video we talk about hate speech laws in the right. uk and the reason that it's not a huge threat right now uh, of them coming to the united states is because the supreme court has repeatedly held that there's a difference between inciting someone to violence which is a direct call to action or some way somehow influencing them to do it versus what would be considered hateful or offensive speech which is it is protected speech under under the first amendment um take us through the class right now in britain that's not a thing because yeah. you get thrown in prison for like the guy that had did the cover of kung fu fighting which <laughs> was apparently offensive and hate speech you know mm-hmm or the guy that had his dog do the uh, oh, Hitler salute. Yeah. Yeah. I don't count Dankula. Yeah. No, you're allowed to. I was in Germany, but still, all right, of Europe, yeah. they don't recognize freedom of speech. Well, like, we, Brock, we, can you, Brock, can you take us through the classroom and how you conduct yourself there and, and what restrictions are placed upon speech there that, like, again, most likely totally understandable? Yeah. So, I don't, in the classroom, I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't really say anything too controversial ever in real life but like <laughs> in in the classroom like i feel like my goal is just always to stay neutral and to stay professional like my job is not to, to teach kids you need to believe this or that i would rather teach students here's how you find out here's how you do research here's how you find the answers for yourself and show them like the resources they should be looking at I'm not trying to I, I try to stay neutral and not get wrapped into anything in the classroom a little bit push back to what you just said there just to see how, what you would say to it What's wait? What's up? Uh, can Sorry. I can I give you a little pushback? Yeah, uh, go for it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you say you want to teach effectively, I'm boiling it down a little bit. I'm simplifying it. Let me know if I'm simplifying it too much. Yeah. You're saying I want to teach kids how to think, not what to think. Effectively. 
I guess effectively showing them different ways to figure out what they believe for themselves. I'm not trying to say, hey, you need to be Republican or you need to be Democratic or you need to think this or you need to interpret it this way. I would rather give them the skills to interpret for themselves. But, but you still my, – my point would be you still need to teach them fundamentals of history. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Happen. So when you say – you know, like, I don't I want to teach them ways along with teaching the ways you have mm-hmm. to teach them – actual events dates, for sure yeah yep absolutely in, mm-hmm. and you as the instructor have a certain amount of leeway in choosing which of these events you focus more time on which of these events yeah you absolutely right? yeah you're going to spend more time talking about sherman and how his tactics than lee maybe because you want to portray maybe the north in a more positive sense than the south because you're from the north like i'm, not, I'm just making a bunch of assumptions here yeah i got you but if you know, if I'm in Mississippi, I might want to talk about Lee more than I want to talk about Sherman because it means more. Or if I'm North Carolina or South Carolina, I think he's one one of the two Carolinas. Um, mm-hmm. Lee was. Um, so he you was know, Virginian. He, was he Virginian? Okay, yep. then there you go. I, I knew it was somewhere on the, <laughs> over there. Uh, at least I had him right in the south. Um, but like, you might want to teach different historical figures in a slightly different light while still teaching them critical thinking skills, how to discover information. Mm-hmm. But yeah. your choice as the instructor does matter on what you're teaching as examples for, for these tactics, right? For sure, yeah, yep, absolutely. And I, I do have to say, I appreciate you saying, you know, you want to be neutral because there is a way to present the facts unbiasedly and there's a way to present them biasedly because let's say I, again, using the Sherman versus Lee analogy, if I'm in the South, I'm going to talk a lot about Sherman. Why? Because Sherman burned and pillaged his way across the South. So I'm going, to, put, I'm yeah. going to paint him in a negative light. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if I'm in the North, I'm going to say, oh, Lee was a traitor because uh, Abraham Lincoln wanted Lee to lead the Union armies. And yeah. Lee said no. He went with Virginia. And you could you know, paint him in, in the negative light there. Or you could do the mm-hmm. same thing with the Founding Fathers, deciding to focus on well, you know, positive or negative. Yeah, but I was, like to ask them questions this. on stuff like that, though. Like with Sherman's march to the sea, like we talk about both sides. We like I like to give like multiple perspectives. Like Which why might you why might you do something like that? Why are people going to be mad if you do something like that? Why is it like morally wrong? Why is it strategically like a good move? And then I leave them like one of the essay questions was about Sherman's march to the sea and asking, do you think like at the end of the war, like was there? What's up? Can you explain Sherman's march to the sea in like a paragraph? Yeah, effectively, it was the march essentially from the Mississippi to the east coast of just burning down anything that they could see as useful to the Confederate Army. Right about it. <laughs> that, that what was determined as useful wasn't always necessarily useful to war. Anything that was food related, growing crops, houses, pretty much it was like scorched earth. One of the things that I always like people pointing out was that he would take the, he would rip up the railroad railroad tracks and then wrap them around trees so that yeah, they couldn't yep. be they could never be used again. Yep. If I if I'm to assume that that was a firework, if I'm to assume <laughs> that uh, the people back then were or the military back then acted even roughly similar to the way the military acts now. That was, uh, it was just burn whatever you felt like burn. Yeah, that's what <laughs> and, that and like. anything that you can, it, it will burn, mm-hmm. burn it down. Because but that's what's, that's what, what I we, like about it though, is that 
you have so many different perspectives on this one issue though so there, it's really easy to find primary sources especially from the civil war it's like okay here's what some southern people like civilians said about it here's what some southern troops said about it here's what some northern troops said about it here's what sherman's letters say about it like what do you think about it after reading this stuff about what we talked do you think sherman was in the right or do you think something like and like i let them choose because some people are gonna say yeah absolutely like they're trying to end the war they're trying to end save lives for sure somebody say no that's brutal that's too harsh that's unethical and they're gonna argue that and like that's their choice to make at the end of it that's so brock brock when we're talking about freedom of speech then like yeah how, so let's say let's be in the driver's seat of the not <sighs> for a second here right yeah yeah um, let's i had a couple of these not gonna name any names but, <laughs> uh, i just find i found out like years later like everything they were teaching me was just straight up wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I was like, no, I learned this in like middle school or in high school, and they're like, the, yeah, no. <laughs> um, anyway, regardless, uh, so let's say that you say, okay, I I want to give these guys, you know, uh, you have good intentions, you want to give these these kids, you know, the tools to critically think, but mm-hmm. you have a very particular view of the world, and you only choose events that make your view positive, while you're still teaching them these strategies of of distilling information because you're using examples you're going to use examples when people are unfamiliar with your tactics right you're mm-hmm. going to use, oh so here's this march for the sea and i'm pulling from x y and z sources which then i distill down you know what the facts were what the opinions were of the people all the time and then i can write up a draft of this happened this is what this side said this is what this side said you know because as a journalist typically kind of would because historians are a little bit similar in the tactics not exactly but um, so you could say that, or alternatively, you can say, well, Sherman's March to the Sea went like this. Civilians in the North said this, and, and the army in the North said this, and you completely ignore the Southern side. But you're mm-hmm. saying, so you can draw civilian viewpoints like this, and you draw this uh, military viewpoints like this, and then, you know, you can write up a draft that says this happened, and this is what the civilian said, and this is what the military said, and it mm-hmm. looks objective. You know, uh, if you don't know the... The entirety of the situation you're like yeah. oh they have this non-military and they have the military viewpoint and understanding modern day there seems to be discrepancy between military action and civilians thought about it you're thinking oh i've gotten two sides here good to go but you don't fully understand the situation so there yeah. has to be some level of control on what you're teaching as well like or some level of guidelines or or restrictions or whatever term mm-hmm. you want to use on what you're teaching uh in essentially infringing upon your freedom of speech would you not say for sure there was also there's also you're talking about the difference between what the military is, you know is doing and what the civilians think of it and whatnot there's also a lot of things that the military is doing that the civilians don't even know about because they're not allowed to know for sure you know? yeah and that or or leaving, leaving out that information that makes some of the civilians opinions misguided you know absolutely yeah because they don't know the whole picture and whatnot mm-hmm. so and that, you know, you can have that in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Since we're on the year-ish <laughs> time period, how about we talk about Abraham Lincoln and his violations of the First Amendment? Sure. Yeah, I mean, arresting, I, arresting, you know. Yeah, arresting, uh, you know, uh, the press and all that stuff, stopping anybody from post, uh, from... Was that in Maryland? I forget where that was at, wasn't that? I think so. Uh, let me... Yeah, I think I he was worried about the border states flipping... Because I think he was worried about losing the capital, and so they just started arresting everybody in Maryland. I'm pretty sure. And that's real 
violation of the press. Yeah, that was like, bad. We talked about stupid, that. In you're dumb. Moving on. Like that. We not talked about that in class too. That was something press, we, yeah. we covered that in class because yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure that was Maryland because we talked a lot about the border states and the importance they played in. I don't know, just the war in general. Yeah. And I guess outside and, of the war. And one thing we noticed, so when you know Abraham Lincoln violates violates the First Amendment left and right. Um, Woodrow mm-hmm. Wilson, same thing. FDR, same yeah. thing. Bush, same yeah. thing. What you know, LBJ, same thing. War, 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 war. So we can all we we all agree. I think you know we don't want our freedom. Our we don't want people's ability to speak freely to undermine a war effort to the point where the United States no longer exists. That's mm-hmm. that's worse than the alternative. But we also see that people are easily frightened into giving up their rights to a degree that isn't necessary for in order to maintain the morale for a war effort or to maintain confidentiality of troop troop movements for example um and it is scary looking back over two centuries seeing how each time a major conflict breaks out you know, the First Amendment is chipped away at just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little, little bit more. And we do seem to recapture uh, the, the spirit of the First Amendment in between those times. Um, but it's very difficult. Because it is. The, the Supreme Court, in a lot of these ways, go, you know, all right, sounds good. Like they don't interfere with the process. They wait maybe for a case to come up. But the Supreme Court does have the power of judicial review to if, if they said, no, the Patriot Act is not legal. You should, you're not allowed to do that. They can step in and say that. However, it would make them rather unpopular at the time. And yes. especially under our current Supreme Court, they don't want to be unpopular, so they're going to go with what they think the populace wants. Um, even though that they are specifically created, you know, like or that institution is specifically created to not be beholden to the whims of the people. But take COVID, for example. Lots of First Amendment, uh, you talk about this as well in your in your video, lots of First Amendment rights are curtailed to fight the virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, and whether or not that was appropriate, we're not going to talk about, but the fact that it happened is important to note. Well, um, and I do, I do want to, so this is the last thing I want to talk about on the Freedom of Expression Clause, and then we'll move on to some of the debates around the other clauses. Um, I, I looked up what you were asking about the Maryland thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a quick quick uh, quote here. So uh, Lincoln authorized the military commander to arrest and detain without resort to ordinary processes and forms of law such individuals as he, he might deem dangerous to public safety. Which did, uh, which did include journalists or anyone else. Which allowed so, him to unilaterally tell the military to violate yeah. everyone's Fifth Amendment rights and just lock them up. Exactly. Yeah. But we'll talk about that more when we get to the Fifth Amendment, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, yes. So, so modern... There's a really great case, if you want to talk modern, when you're, when you're concerned. Are you familiar with Tinker v. Des Moines? I am not. Okay. I am not either. Okay, so Tinker v. Des Moines, I'm just going to briefly go over the facts of the case and the question. And if you want, I can also explain the, the conclusion. This is a very famous case when we're talking about freedom of expression and, um, and First Amendment rights, generally speaking. So in December of 1965, a group of students in Des Moines held a meeting in the home of one of, their, one of the students to plan, showing public, uh, to plan a public showing of support for a truce in the Vietnam War. So oh, okay. Anti- yes, I know, I know the case okay. now. Uh, well, I'm just going to keep going. No, just keep going. But... 
people that don't understand it. Um, so they decided to wear black armbands throughout the holiday season, and also they decided to fast as well as a show of, of nonviolent um, resistance against the Vietnam War. Okay, and this is one of the least uh, aggressive uh, displays of, of public resentment um, against the Vietnam War at the time. Um, so the principals of the Des Moines schools learned of this and met on uh, December uh, 14th and created a policy stating that any student wearing such an armband would be asked to remove it. And then if they didn't do it, they'd be, get suspended. So on December 16th, the person in question, Mary Beth Tinker, wore their armband to school and was sent home. The following day, another Tinker did it, same result. The students did not return until after New Year's Day, the planned end of their protest. So through their parents, the students sued the school district for violating the rights of expression and sought an injunction to prevent the school district from disciplining the students. Similarly, if you want to take this back to just a couple weeks ago, there was a PE teacher who came out and expressed um, resentment and uh, a dissent from uh, a very controversial policy regarding bathrooms. I'm just going to avoid using any charged terms. Um, and he was put on probation, I think it was, or suspended from his position. And he also filed an injunction and the court recently ruled that he was to be reinstated. So similarly following this kind of tinker thing, but more on the freedom of speech than expression. And this was all in a, uh, it was in a public hearing that he was, he was talking about this. Mm -hmm. Um, the question at hand here, um, was does a prohibition against the wearing of armbands in public school as a form of symbolic protest violate the students' freedom of speech protections guaranteed by, you know, the First Amendment that we're talking about here. Do you want me to give you the conclusion? I, I know the conclusion, but yes, for okay. people who haven't... So, so the conclusion was a 7-2 uh, decision. Um, yes, the uh, Supreme Court held that the armbands presented pure speech that was entirely separate from actions or conducts of those participating in the speech. Um, so they kind of separated off, well, it, it, gave, it gave a carve-out for, okay... If they were being violent about it, then it wouldn't be because it would be against public safety, but because it was nonviolent and didn't have the expressed goal of hurting anyone, necessarily speaking. I mean, there's externalities, obviously, with withdrawing from the Vietnam War at the time, but eventually th there's that. And then there's also, interestingly, a carve out that children are not necessarily guaranteed the full extent of the First Amendment rights. Um, and that has been extended beyond that so children are not guaranteed the same number of rights or same strength of rights as adults are so for example in brock's classroom if someone's saying something that would be protected as an adult brock legally can under the first amendment restrict that student's speech in the classroom to some degree obviously um more so than he would be able to restrict an adult speech and not be sued for it not be held liable for that for that action as a teacher is in a position of Although, to be but, fair, minors are held to... Uh, they're, they're, the consequences are not as severe as oh, well. Yeah, absolutely. So and, it and goes hand in hand. That, that, that itself is coupled with Brock having his own restrictions against what he can or cannot mm -hmm. say in the class. So, yes. But that's just... I, I think it's a great example of, of the, the carve-outs, the restrictions that still exist. So it's like not fully pure. You can do whatever you want. But it is still very very loose in how you can express yourself and i think that that's I, honestly i think that's preferred you know you ha you prevent um any kind of violent rebellion you know um uh, but still allow people to express <clears throat> dissent against the federal government express um any level of you know dislike you know uh in such a way so 
Correct. So I want to touch on the very last topic, which is the social media censorship that we've seen recently um, and the pushback from some states, just Texas and Florida, with bills to attempt to rectify the issue. So without discussing some of the more sensitive topics around it, we have seen within the last year um, censorship of stories, censorship of political figures, including the president of the United States. Um, Each platform has their own reasoning behind it. And uh, censorship of discussions in general um, in the name of disinformation. Um, These social media companies, which have essentially replaced the town square as the commons, the way that, you know, where people go to discuss their ideas, um, have taken upon themselves to moderate speech. And uh, the result has been many have said bias um, against conservatives and there goes Darth Vader. Oh, Darth Vader. There's he no. goes. So, I've, I've actually got a great core case lined up for this as well. If you yes. want me to, this is a shorter one. Yep. Um, I can, I can roll through it once you're done. FYI. Okay. Um, so we, what we've seen is there's been a huge uproar. Um, conservatives do, n- do not feel like these rules are being enforced fairly. And we've been seeing some things that are rather on the creepy side. Facebook has just rolled out a new initiative um, asking people to report their friends and family who have been, quote, exposed to um, hateful uh, speech or have been exposed to harmful ideas. We're reaching, we're, we're very, we're, we're essentially reaching a pseudo version of the you know, turn in, turn in your friends and family and we'll give you rewards, uh, stage. And that's extremely creepy because it's something you'd expect to see from Soviet, the Soviet Russian government, not from Facebook. We already had that from the FBI when the January 6th, uh, incident, uh, happened. Uh, they said to, uh, turn in, your friends and family, if you know that they were there or whatever, and it actually happened. A son oh, yeah. turned in his father. Yep. And so, so I've got a daughter great, the same a thing. And then hang on, hang on, hang on. And then they turned around and raised money on GoFundMe. Forty thousand it was at the time when I when I read the story it was forty thousand dollars on GoFundMe for turning in their parents. And that's that that's that's scary, but that's not that's not a uh, infringement on freedom of um, expression here. Um so, so freedom of speech, similarly, okay, there's going to be a lot of similarities here, especially if you're on the left, you might think that this case is identical to what Donald Trump was doing. You might, you're going to not like the conclusion, though. If you're on the left, uh, as on the right, I don't think it's the same, but I, I see it as the legal, correct conclusion to the arguments made by the left, though. So... This is Brandenburg v. Ohio, also 1969. So the other, uh, Tinker v. Des Moines uh, was in 1969 as well. This was uh, a couple months later. This was in June. That was in February. Um, so facts of the case. Are you familiar? Is any of you guys familiar with this case? Uh, it's an no. espionage act, right? Um, yes. This is actually a Ohio criminal syndicalism law. I okay. think the espionage act was somehow tied into it. It might have been. It might have been. Um, I don't. I I'm reading the from the case uh, summary here, so it very well might have been in the in the arguments, but um, I'm not entirely sure here. Regardless, um, this is a very it's 
similar to um, the Skokie case. I'm sure you guys are familiar with that one with the Nazis barking in Skokie. Mm-hmm. This is the one time that I get to flex my political science muscle <laughs> and just start bringing out random facts. We secretly started this channel so that Patrick could uh, use, use his degree. Yeah, I can use my degree. Um, so regardless of the facts of the case, Brandenburg was a leader of the Ku Klux Klan you can, and made a speech at a Klan rally. So you guys can kind of see where the left would go on this regarding the January 6th incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was later convicted under an Ohio criminal syndicalism law. The law made illegal advocating crime, sabotage, violence, or unlawful methods of terrorism as mean of accomplishing industrial or political reform. If you accept the left's premises that Trump had incited a riot, which would fall under crime, sabotage, violence, or unlawful methods of terrorism, uh, an insurrection, same thing, or, or some kind of way of stopping the steal, stopping the vote, whatever you want to say it is, you could conceivably assume that it would fall under this similar similar legal structure, um, as well as assembling with any group, this gets into the freedom of association as well, as well as assembling with any group, society, or assemblage of persons formed to teach or advocate with the doctrines of criminal syndicalism. So it's a little bit more tight, but their conclusion is very broad. Um, so the question at hand that they're discussing, did Ohio's law prohibiting public speech uh, violate Brandenburg's right to free speech as protected by the First and Fourteenth Amendment, which is going to be in a couple months uh, to a year from now. But, we we um, do one a month, so yeah, we do one a month, so it'll be a little bit over a year from now. Um, but it advocates specifically this his speech, importantly, advocates specifically for various illegal activities. Okay, so under loose definition of incitement, this would fall. Uh, so the conclusion. It was per, per, per curium, which means that the entire court agreed and wrote it as the whole court, not necessarily behind one justice's argument. Okay. They used a, they said that the Ohio law did violate Brandensburg's right to free speech, and the court used a two pronged test to evaluate speech acts. Number one, speech can be prohibited if it is directed at inciting or producing eminent lawless action, and two, it is likely to incite or produce such action. So they said that it made illegal the advocacy and teaching of doctrines while ignoring whether or not that advocacy and teaching would actually incite eminent lawless action. So to take this into the January 6th incident, the arguments from the left were that this immediately excited that they said, go do this, go do that. The arguments from the right was, he said, peacefully protest. Very specific choice of words there. So that was their argument for why his speech would be protected. Um, what do you guys think of this uh, particular uh, case that I brought up here, Ohio versus Brandenburg? I think it's a, it's it's an example of I don't agree with your speech, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. You know, yeah. I think the mm-hmm. the Klan is disgusting. Okay, plain and simple. The ideas that they advocate uh, could not be more vile, and yet they have the right to say it, and I have the right the exact same right to get up on the same pulpit and argue against their ideas. Or you have the right to not want to be around them. Yeah. Which is exactly why we need the First Amendment, which is exactly why we need to hear what they have to say, because if nobody hears it, then they're going to spread it around and we won't be able to combat it Mm -hmm. with our own speech. And and we we won't be able to take other social actions to condemn it. Like, for example, I'm running a store and one of these people that I know is at the Ku Klux Klan rally shows up. I'm gonna be like, no, get the heck out of my store. 
Like, I don't want you here. I don't want, I, I don't care if, if all you have is green. Get out. I do not want to serve you. I think your ideas are vile and disgusting. Get the heck out of my store. You know, and I think that that should be perfectly fine because that falls under freedom of association. I, as the business owner, have the freedom to associate with anybody. You walk in my store, it's instantly closed. Get out. I'm closed for the day. And then it'll reopen once you leave. You're going to get into the point where, it, like, you know, the Civil Rights Act kind of a thing there, though. Yeah, you know? but I have my disagreement oh. with that. But... Well, there, there, there <laughs> and, are... And I, yeah, I have opinions about that. Yeah, that's, so. that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about specifically the rights protected in the uh, First Amendment. We can talk about the free... Civil Rights Act, if you really want to, but well, those those, those are those, there are different that. things that you know. You disagree with me. There are different things that like protected classes, like for example, political speech is a protected class in D.C., but it's not pretty much everywhere else. So, yeah. um, like yeah. in D.C., oh, if you're in D.C., you're screwed. But yeah, it, it, in D.C., <laughs> it's illegal. You know, like so the gun the gun stores that were you know uh, right after the right after the election saying you know asking on on their online. You know, before you could yeah, purchase did something, you vote for Joe Biden? did you vote for Joe Biden? If you did that to, in D.C., if they were in D.C., that's illegal. But anywhere yeah. else, it's not. Um, you know, they tried. They tried to sue him. It didn't work. Um, so the, the last thing I want to say about this before we move on is Florida has tried to push back. Texas also has a bill uh, currently waiting to be signed on Governor Abbott's desk regarding um, social media censorship. So the Florida bill has had an injunction placed against it um, by the uh, district court. So it is not in effect yet, despite being signed into law. But basically, it, would allow, it restricts um, social media's ability to censor uh, news organizations and censor political speech and then uh, provides a route by which these organizations and citizens can sue the uh the social media giants for censoring them or banning them suspending them what have you um the main defense both from the i guess the leftist perspective and what the companies are saying is that and this is actually what the district court said is that this law infringes on the First Amendment rights of these companies by restricting their ability to express their speech by banning people on their platform. They gain these rights through Citizens v. United. In Citizens v. United, you know, companies are considered citizens with freedom of speech. That's how, you know, super PACs and everything are, were allowed to form after that case. So, and I think personally, I think Citizens United was the wrong decision. It was a mistake. Yes. Um, um, so that is it gives, it gives like it. It is. It broadens freedom of speech, but like it broadens like the legal definition of freedom of speech. But mm -hmm. I think um, in action, it it actually restricts it. It it does because it basically said it, so. Right now, they're basically saying that these companies have the ability to restrict speech where the government doesn't. And I think in spirit, the First Amendment does more than just say the government cannot pass laws to restrict X, Y, and Z. I think it also, this is my personal opinion, says that the government, it is the government's job to ensure that these rights are not infringed upon. Um, not just they're not the ones doing the infringing. And they've basically given blanket authority to social media and these tech giants to um, censor and then are doing nothing about it. So this debate is going to continue probably give, for the next... I want to let people know that this is th this dissent from us against Citizens United is very interesting considering that 
those who voted uh, the the four, five four decisions for Citizens United was in favor Roberts, Scalia, Kennedy, Thomas, and Alito. All the conservative mm-hmm. justices. And the conservatives here are saying no, it was a wrong decision. <laughs> so, and all the liberal justices, uh, you know, Ginsburg, uh, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Stevens all voted uh, no to it as well. So, and I'd be if you ran if you reran that case with what we know today, I think that would that would be different. Um, and I think it's because you know the, the justices are human too. They they each have their opinions. I don't, I don't know if it would be different. Um, if you ran reran the case with the same justices, I think Ginsburg would still. You, know, you can disagree with Ginsburg all you know all day, and I would too. I don't really like her very much, but she does have very consistent values, regardless of whether or not they're correct. I think she would probably still stay in the dissent. So. Uh, Mike, do you, do you disagree with that she has consistent values, or are you just I'll laughing? Laugh because she does, but they're all wrong. So. Yeah, but like, no, there's a couple that she has that are right. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. I mean, like her ruling that there should not be a a different uh, age for consumption of alcohol between men and women. I think that's absolutely correct. Yeah, obviously, that. that was a right decision. Um, yeah. I know a lot about her case law, and mm. it's my my perspective is it's checkered. I think in a lot of ways it's checkered. I think when she got to the federal courts, there's a lot of, in my opinion, wrong decisions. But particularly when she was on the state courts, I thought. Patrick, I got a question for you. So you are, I I believe, in the house of, uh, you know, the Twitter should not be banning conservatives because they're conservative or whatever. You know, what they're doing Uh, right with banning. uh, To rephrase that, I'm in the house of... Twitter has become the uh, public square and therefore uh, is under the regulations that uh, are incumbent upon the public square through okay. through so variety. If they've become the public square, then why can't you know, you make another Twitter? Why isn't Parler part of the public square? Sure. And the the answer that I have to that is that uh, if we have something like Parler that's, that comes up and attempts to be the public square or attempts to challenge Twitter for the public square, it immediately gets shut down by Twitter's allies. The problem isn't necessarily the concrete idea that Twitter, you know, it, I, I agree, Twitter is a private company um, and it should have the ability to do what it wants, but it has set up this web of allies through Google, through Amazon, through all these other major corporations that control other sectors of life that that's prevent, model. provide a barrier. Well, and so let, it, let me... That's, that's, that's the business model. Sure. We're doing that. Yes. Let, let, me, let me interject here because this isn't my field of expertise, but it's tangential to it is antitrust. Um, and this is, you know, Lena Khan, our new FTC chair, is extremely critical of Amazon and big tech. And she has, she has acknowledged, and we've seen this. So antitrust suits have been brought against Facebook uh, Facebook and Am- Facebook in particular, um, and they've lost because antitrust law written to broke up break up Standard Oil is not sufficient to tackle the uh, monopolies and oligopolies of today. So Lena Khan wants to push forward wants to push forward. Well, Senate would, uh, the, the Congress would have to do it, but wants Congress to push forward new antitrust legislation so the FTC can actually go after these companies. Yeah. And that's what's going to need to happen. 
um, because Twitter, fa- Twitter and Facebook are too powerful in and of their own right. Uh, minds can come up and try to challenge Facebook, but it's real. It's not going to get it done. Parler yeah. can try- can challenge Twitter, but then Amazon is going to take Parler off off of the servers and nuke because the they, entire because site. they own majority of the, the web space. But let me make the mm-hmm. rest of my my argument here. Uh, Twitter and these social media companies because they're all in alliance. Okay, if, if you look at how they function, at Facebook, Twitter, Google, Amazon. Um, and my for YouTube, uh, YouTube is part of Google. Um, they all function as as a cohort, and they function as a, essentially a parallel government to the United States. And I agree that Twitter, as a private company, should should in theory be allowed to ban whoever they want from their platform. But in in actuality, because they're functioning as a parallel government, they should be put under the same strictures uh, as the federal government would be. Because if you look at the reason behind the writing of the First Amendment is to protect the speech of the citizens, when Twitter is significantly infringing upon the speech of the citizens, there's a problem. Now, there are solutions that do not involve the government, but require a lot of movement, such as every single conservative deleting their Twitter. Get off Twitter. Twitter's not for you. Leave. And then you can effectively vote with your uh, digital footprint. You know, or vote with your dollar, however you can. Yes, it. but the yes. issue the issue with that vote has with always... Dollar, er, let, let, Michael, let Michael say his... I got, I got something else. So I 100% agree with that. Vote with your dollar. If you don't like the way that Twitter's doing something, get off Twitter and cancel culture, you know, Twitter or, or yeah, cancel, whatever you don't like. Twitter. Because that's the best way and also the most peaceful way to change things that you don't like. You know, vote with your dollar, and it almost always will work. If if not enough people, you know, get off Twitter, it's because Twitter's probably doing something right, because they are a good platform. I don't know about right, do. right as in like the right in, for in terms money, of maybe, but they're not dominant right in, in terms of being a corporation making yeah. money yeah. for the purpose of making money, which is all corporations are supposed to do is make money. Yes. Yeah. So. If they're, they're doing something right, if people aren't getting off, well, because they have and they are willing to to sacrifice, you know, oh, 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 they're banning things or they're doing things I don't like. But you know what? I really like Twitter, so I'm going to stay on it. You know. So if you re, if if your if your opinion is so strong, then get off Twitter. Brock, I want to give you the final the final word before we move on to the, <laughs> and, and on to the I, next topic. I, I do want to say just just some stats from Mike to that point. You're like on the right track for like I think that's what people are doing because ninety two I think percent of all Twitter posts are attributed to the same nine percent of Twitter yep. users, and they're all far left. So effectively, it's been vacated, and I think. What I'll say is I think that a lot of conservatives left when Trump was banned because either they got banned or they just were like, I'm going to get banned, so I'm going to leave. Um, as well, it was dying before Trump got on it, and so, it got revitalized through it. So I think that we could see it. I don't think Trump should have gotten on Twitter. What? I don't think Trump should have gotten on Twitter. I don't think Trump should have got. I don't think Trump should get back on Twitter. Twitter. I don't think Trump should run for 2024, but that's a whole different kind of conversation. <laughs> Brock, what, Brock, what do you got to say? I'm just taking it all in. I, my my last word is I I don't use Twitter, and that's that's my ten cents. That's that's fair. I think I I do not. I don't like Twitter. I don't hear you use Twitter except for maybe Mike and to troll people. 
Yeah, the <laughs> the issue is that Twitter, like Twitter and Facebook, since everyone's already on there, you know, you almost have to go there to reach to reach an audience to to market your goods. Um, which then in turn means that the businesses are there, which means that everyone goes there to get their information. It's a, it's a cycle that just continues to give Twitter and Facebook the dominant share of the market. And Google, obviously. Smart to be the first ones or the most mm-hmm. efficient ones to do it. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's why I support, that's why I always say, uh, go to the, the local the game, don't hate the players. Yeah. Kind of and and that's, that's why I always say, go to like your local places, support your local stores. I'm, when it comes to, uh, for example, trading cards, I'm a big proponent of going to your local game shops and buying a booster box there or packs there or whatever you want rather than going on TCG Player. Nothing necessarily against TCG Player. It's a great alternative, but your primary source for any products should be small retail stores, not big box stores well, either. Okay. I'm uh, g- just, just, because, just because I think that <laughs> those are the life, that's the lifeblood of your community. And if you can you know, help out your community that way, I would definitely prefer to do that. I agree, except I would use Walmart as an example because TCG player is not, doesn't necessarily sell a lot of cards in and of themselves. They, uh, local card shops post their cards online there yeah, to sell. Yeah. But anyway. I'm, sure, I'm not I'm not nearly as familiar as you are. I'm, I, I'm just trying I to am. pop a comparison. <laughs> so, I want to yeah. say something else about what Patrick said earlier. So yep, Patrick also ahead. said that, uh, sorry, I, don't, I, got, I got opinions, okay. Now you're not allowed <laughs> to have them. What are you doing here? This is America. You're right, Doc. Take this off. Uh, so, Patrick, you also said that uh, in the, I, I, I think I'm quoting you right here. In the spirit of the First Amendment, it was made to so that the, the purpose of the First Amendment was to protect the speech of the citizens. Yeah, the government. It's the government's job to make sure that the citizens' First Amendment is protected. Or yeah, something. the First Amendment rights, not the not the. Yeah, I get, I get yeah. you. Not, I, to, not mean, to nitpick too hard, but yes. <laughs> The problem is, is Twitter is also citizens of the United States. Okay, you're saying the citizens of Twitter or the company Twitter? Corporations. Corporations are people, too. I don't, just... I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that corporations are by the way. Jackson but legal, say... legally, they are because oh, okay. of citizens of the United States. Legally, legally, they are, but I disagree. <laughs> I, I disagree with you. They are people. They're just a group of people. Corporations are people, too. Uh, corporations are a group of people. They're not I need, a, I need a sign. Vegetables are people, too. <laughs> so. vegetables killed par- pat's parents actually True yeah they story. did oh my god i remember that <laughs> vegetables killed my parents when did i okay as a side note when did i say that sister jones dinner oh yeah i remember you telling me about that you told for anyone that doesn't know when i was an undergraduate i told the president i was invited to a dinner with the president of my university sat down didn't eat any vegetables, was asked why I wasn't eating vegetables, and I said, vegetables killed my parents, and then I realized where I was, and I was like, that is not the right response. Were you? <laughs> I can I can verify that. I was there for that one, so... Yeah. there, I think, right? Yeah. Hmm? That was... Oh. Also, Patrick, you said uh, earlier, uh, you said, I agree. Just just like that. That's why I was laughing. If you look back at the video, okay. up because you yeah, go. Yeah. You, anyway, you I think I think we're well over time, James. Well, so the, the next you go. I agree. So we still have three more clauses to get through. These are much obviously gonna be much briefer. Uh, so I want to talk about the freedom. Uh, freedom. Uh, God, the establishment clause and the free exercise clause. So. Some of these, some of the issues that we talk about in the video, um, let's, I actually want to bring Mike and get your, your opinion on this first. So chaplains in the military and Congress. 
Um, multiple times, they uh, or groups have sued, saying that these violate the Establishment Clause, um, as well as, you know, in God we trust. So what, what are there still chaplains? There are still chaplains in the military, but what's it like? Like, what are the chaplains like? Yeah, like what? Like what do well, they do? What are the, what are their roles? And are there are there chaplains of multiple different religions in, in in every unit? I know that multiple different religions exist within the chaplainry, but real quick, I have to sign off. I will hopefully be able to get back on, but there's people out here outside trying to get like. But I'll be right back. Okay. Um. Okay. So in my unit, we I remember having. Well, I had you only. Know, I only had one chaplain at a time, and he was replaced once. And uh, uh, I don't I mean he had a cross, so it was some Christian religion of some sort. I didn't talk to him that much. If you don't know, I'm an atheist, so I didn't talk to him that much. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean he's basically there. Uh, you can at any point, no matter what, unless you're like. You know the obvious points. Like if I'm in the middle I, of, I just want to point out. You say you're, like I get that you say you're an atheist, but you did abuse the fact that you're Catholic to go to to go to mass on Sundays during basic. Yeah, totally did. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I, I don't blame I you. I didn't just go to the Catholic mass or whatever. I went to every mass. Yeah. I w we the the really fun ones were like the really weird obscure religions because we like you know you like you had a rug and whatever and you just sit there and like meditate for yeah. an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nice during during boot camp. You get just an hour to just sit and be quiet and not have people yell at you. It was nice. So we would go to we would go to literally every mass that was available. Except there was one you can't go to and you had to prove that you were is it Jewish on Fridays? Yeah. Yeah. You had to prove that you were Jewish. To go to temple. You can't just yeah. say, I'm Jewish. I'm going on Friday. Yeah. You know, because that cut into our training schedule. Uh. So yeah. anyway, um, the the interesting thing here is that when the case was when the case was decided, there were only Christian chaplains at the time, and the court, you know, we talked about this in the video, acknowledged there was actually it actually is a violation of the establishment clause, but by taking them away, it violates the free exercise clause, because then there would not be religious counseling for for the troops. Um, and either way, they've rectified it now by having, as you pointed out, multiple different, um, different religions available. So other than that, oh, and, um, there's a chaplain for the United States Congress. Basically, you know, that one, they said, well, the first Congress said it was okay. And they're the ones who wrote the constitution. So it must be constitutional. So, yeah. um, which I think is a fair argument, realistically. All right, we'll, we'll sign off here. Please, in the meantime, like, subscribe, follow us on Twitch, uh, and uh, have a great rest of your, rest of your week. <laughs>